Thank you for joining us at Key Life Fellowship for our pulpit ministry podcast. Each sermon on this podcast is from our 11 a.m. Sunday service. We are glad that you have joined us digitally, but would love to see you in person on Sunday mornings at either 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Now, let's open God's Word and ask Him to reveal His truths for our lives. If you would, turn to Paul's epistle to the Romans, Romans chapter 1. As you're turning there, I want to remind you of what has been going on in this country that we live in for the past few days. We have celebrated, of course, Thanksgiving, the time of year where we stop for a moment and we give thanks. But I want us to move beyond that this morning to a deeper Thanksgiving. I want us to understand what it means to truly be thankful to God. Because I believe this, I believe that a true believer will be thankful to God. But I also believe this, and the text that we're going to look at today in Romans chapter 1 is going to confirm this, that there are many who are committing the dangerous sin of ingratitude. And I want us to look at that today, not necessarily gratitude. We have spent, as I've already said, days expressing gratitude. But what I want us to do is I want us to examine the topic of ingratitude. Because what we're going to learn is that ingratitude, especially in our entitlement culture that we live in, may just be an indication of a deeper-rooted spiritual issue. It may, beyond, it may be beyond just the basic fact that you're not thankful. It may be that you have a heart of ingratitude, a dangerous, dangerous sin. And Paul is going to point that sin out to us today in Romans chapter 1. I want us to look at that, that God's Word confirms this, that ingratitude in your life could be a symptom of your unbelief. Ingratitude in your life could be a symptom of the fact that you are traveling down the road of reprobation into eternal darkness. And I want you to see the seriousness of that this morning. I want you to see that ingratitude is not simply just you're not thankful. But ingratitude is deeper than that because you are not thankful to a God who has been so good to you. Whether you acknowledge that or whether you don't. He has been good to each and every one of you. From the smallest child in our nursery to the older, oldest senior adult in this congregation this morning. All have experienced the grace of God in some way, shape, or form. The believer understands this. that We are to be thankful. The unbeliever has not quite reached that point. So we look at a message entitled, The Dangerous Sin of Ingratitude. Read Romans chapter 1, verse 18 with me through 21. We're going to really hone in a 
rather tight focus on verse 21. In fact, a small statement in verse 21. But verse 18 says this, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. He's not hiding His glory. His glory is all around us. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what He or what has been made, so that men are without excuse. All men, without excuse. Verse 21, pay close attention to this. Although they knew God, because they had no excuse to deny Him. They could see Him, obviously. He has made Himself plain. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, pay attention to this statement, nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. I want us to pay close attention today to that statement in verse 21 where it says that they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. The reason that I want you to pay attention to that statement is because that statement identifies the unbeliever the unbeliever will be a person who withholds God's glory and does not give thanks to God for who He is, for what He has done, what He is doing in your life, for what Christ accomplished at the cross. The unbeliever will stay in the state of ingratitude toward God. As for the believer, the true believer in the room today, gratitude toward God will be an obvious and important part of your life. You will find yourself seeing all the reasons that you have to praise Him constantly. Even when the believer wants to gripe and moan and complain, the Holy Spirit who indwells the believer will remind them the truth of the Word of God that you have much to be grateful for. However, the unbeliever will continue in their attitude of ingratitude. There is no true worship of God without true gratitude toward God. You cannot approach Him and call what you are doing worship if it does not come from a position of utter gratitude where you fall on your knees or you fall on your face or you bend your heart to God. And you say, thank you, God, because everything that I have comes from you. I deserve nothing, and you have given me so much. The unbeliever doesn't understand this. The Christian should. In fact, Thanksgiving ought to be the anthem of our lives. J.I. Packer says this. He said, we need to discover all over again that worship is natural to the Christian. It's what we do. Worship is natural to the Christian. He goes on to say this, as it was to the godly Israelites who wrote the Psalms. And that, 
the habit of celebrating the greatness and graciousness of God yields an endless flow of thankfulness, joy, and zeal. Packer says the true believer will worship. And the true believer will have flowing through them an endless flow of thankfulness, joy, and zeal. He says we need to get back to rediscover all over again the way they worshiped through the Psalms, what we read there. And let's just read a little bit of that and to see if the psalmists were thankful. Psalm 7, verse 17, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm 100, verse 4, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Psalm 105, 1, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Psalm 106, 1, praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Sound familiar? We just sang that psalm. He goes on in Psalm 107, 1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. He says again in Psalm 107, verse 8, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Psalm 107, 15. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Psalm 107, 21. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Psalm 107, 31. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Oh, they weren't afraid to thank him. They weren't afraid to approach God with gratitude in their hearts and praise on their lips. Psalm 118.1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 118.19, open, open for me the gates of righteousness that I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. It is through Christ that the gates of righteousness have been opened for us. Church, let us give thanks then to the Lord who is worthy of all of our things. Psalm 136.1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Say it with me. His love endures forever. Psalm 136.3, give thanks to the Lord, the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. We see that the psalmist understood this, this attitude of gratitude in their life. It was true worship. That's what Packer was saying. We need, as Christians, to discover all over again what it means to be overwhelmed by God's goodness, which leads to worship and to true thanksgiving as it flows in and through us through the power of His Spirit living and indwelling us. So we ask this question as we begin this message, is there an attitude of thanksgiving in your heart and in your life today, or is there an attitude of ingratitude for the things that God has done. We can ask ourselves this question and we can measure the answer to this question like this. When's the last time that you just stopped and were overwhelmed by all the things that God has done for you? Church, that's true worship. Where you stop, where you're overwhelmed and you just begin to thank Him for all that He has done. It may be in your darkest moment. It may be in your greatest joy. But the believer will always come to a place of gratitude in their heart for what God has done for them. Now, on the flip side of that, on the other hand, as Paul has stated in Romans chapter 1, the unbeliever will not thank the Lord in any situation. 
They will not give thanks to the Lord. They'll say things like this, but you don't know what I've been through. I don't have as much to be thankful for as you do. Well, how many times do we hear that from the unbelieving world? But did you know this? The Scripture is true. And it says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Oh, don't just thank God when everything's going your way. Don't just praise Him on the sunny days and sulk and whine and complain, bellyache on the cloudy days. But rejoice in the Lord always, as Paul said. And again, I say rejoice. We have much to be thankful for. In fact, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20 says this, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you thanking Him for everything? Are you giving thanks in every situation? I'm not saying this to beat you up. I'm simply challenging you to ask yourself that question. Are you living a life of worship, being redeemed in Christ, that is now evident because of the thanksgiving that you have in your heart that comes off of your lips and out of your lives in the form of obedience and praise to the God who has blessed you beyond measure. A.W. Pink says this, Yes, give thanks for all things. For as it has been well said, our disappointments are but His appointments. Oh, even when you're going through troubled waters, your disappointments. What do you trust in the providence of God? Do you trust in the sovereignty of God, that, that God is in complete control? And do you praise Him no matter where life takes you? You see that there is a contrast here. The believer will be thankful. And the unbeliever, will continue to commit the dangerous sin of ingratitude. Before we progress on this, I want to say this. Our thanksgiving to God should not be based on our circumstance, but on His character. And the true believer knows the character of God. And he knows that he has much to be thankful for because of God and who He is as defined in the Word of God concerning His attributes, His characteristics. So our thanksgiving ought not to be based on what we're going through, but who He is as He's right there beside us going through it with us. But many neglect to realize these things, as Romans said. And so they remain in a state, a dangerous state, of ingratitude. And that's what I want to do today. I want us to dissect ingratitude. Ingratitude toward God, as I've already said, could be an indicator or a symptom of a deeper and darker sickness than you realize. In fact, maybe someone in this room has already asked themselves this question. I have so much to be thankful for. Why can't I not be thankful can I tell you what the Word of God is going to say to us today? You're not thankful because you are not where you need to be spiritually. You are not acknowledging every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus simply because you are not in Christ Jesus. 
Please understand, in Romans chapter 1, when Paul speaks of those who are not thankful to God, he's making it very clear that those who are not thankful to God are not true believers. You say, well, who do you think you are? I'm no one. But a man who just opens the text of the Word of God and reads to you what God is saying through the Apostle Paul about the people in the world who are unthankful to God. He is putting them in the same category as all other reprobates. Who the wrath of God still abides upon them. These are the people who are constantly moaning and groaning about what they don't have and ridiculing others about what they do have. Why can't I this, and why can't I that? And why doesn't this happen, and why doesn't that happen? Revealing that you're not thankful for the little that you have been entrusted with. Common things of God. Ingratitude toward God could indicate some things, and I want us to look at those things. Number one, ingratitude, according to verse 18, could indicate one's unredeemed state. The fact that you are truly unredeemed. One who shows no gratitude to God, no thanksgiving in his heart or in his mind, has never truly, never truly experienced redemption. There is no way, there is no how, that if a person has truly been saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they can live a life of complete ingratitude toward God. And so if you're here today and you claim to be a Christian, yet you have ingratitude in your heart toward your Creator, You are sadly mistaken. You are no Christian at all. Because Paul is not addressing the Christian who is unthankful. He's saying this, the unthankful are not Christians. They're marked by these unredeemed traits which accompany their lack of thankfulness. The first one that he lists here in 18, he says this, read it along with me. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness of men. He speaks first of godlessness. I want you to pay attention to this because this speaks of the internal state of a person. They are internally godless. That means this, there is no indwelling Holy Spirit living in them. They have nothing to keep them in check. They have no conviction. They do as they please as their depraved minds lead them. They're godless internally, consumed by their inward depravity. They're in an an internal state of opposition to God. Did you know that? As the unbeliever, you are in an internal state of opposition to God. You are an enemy of God. Now, many people don't like to hear that in our culture today where everyone wants to stand on the mountaintop and scream that we're all children of God. No, we are not. It is only those who have been redeemed through the precious blood of Jesus Christ who are restored to the position of children of God. These godless people have an internal state of opposition to God. That's why they can't be thankful for anything. Their whole life internally is consumed with irreverence. They have a lack of devotion, a lack of worship in their life for their Creator. That's how Paul describes them. They are godless. No desire to approach a holy God in a worthy manner. They're full of inward conflict. They have the absence of peace inwardly. 
You know what I'm talking about. You know enough lost people to know this. They're not thankful. And they're not thankful because internally they are miserable because there is no peace. There is no peace with God. There is no peace from God. They're in constant conflict and chaos inwardly. They have an internal immoral nature consumed like a fire with their inward lust for the things of this world, be it money, be it sex, be it fame, be it fortune. These people can never have enough. That's why they're not thankful. They're craving the things of this world, and those things will always be fleeting things that in the end, as the true believer knows, they leave a man or a woman empty, without hope. There is no inward desire in the godless for holiness. Jude speaks of these people in Jude verse 4. He says, For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality and denied Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. They are godless men internally. Because they are godless internally, they then take grace And they morph grace into a license to do whatever their sinful desires are. They even deny the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a description of these godless, ungrateful people. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus describes them as inwardly being ferocious wolves. They play a part where they look good on the outside, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. They're unbelievers. They're ungrateful to God. They're consumed with godlessness. That is the internal. He goes on and he says this. He mentions the godlessness of men, but he also says, and wickedness of men. And this speaks of the eternal, external excuse me, expression of what is internal. If, if you are godless internally, you are going to express that externally through wickedness. Your deeds are going to prove that inside you are still corrupt. And a person who is ungrateful to God proves that inside they are corrupt. Sinful deeds reflect those deeds of the unredeemed as opposed to the deeds of the redeemed. Their lives will not be lived in obedient gratitude for the Savior who graciously saved them. Their lives will still be lived for themselves. Open and outward wickedness expressed in every sinful action, reaction, and lifestyle under the sun. Are we seeing that in our time? The entitled culture who give thanks to no one, but especially not God, who then lives out the godlessness of their internally sinful, depraved hearts in the form of outward wickedness with no apology. Open and outward wickedness expressed over and over and over again with no concern or no conviction about what the Word of God commands. We see wickedness here describing their external state. That external state is in opposition to God. They disregard, they disregard God in their actions. They're disobedient to God and His commands, not entertaining the things that God has 
openly commanded, living their life any way that they want to live. And their deeds express that they are not truly redeemed. Jesus himself said that a good tree will bear good fruit. But a bad tree will bear bad fruit. Do you see how simple he kept that so that we would understand this? These who he's talking about here are godless internally, and they are wicked externally. And he says the reason that we can tell this is because they're unthankful to God. The godless and the wicked, the unredeemed, described here in verse 18, are the same people who refuse to acknowledge the glory of God and give thanks in verse 21. Make no mistake about this. He's not talking about different groups of people here. It's the same group. So I ask you this, are you ungrateful to God in your life? Are you? When is the last time, or has there ever been a time, where you were overwhelmed by the goodness of God? Or do you continue in an ungrateful state? May I say this with all the love for your soul that a man can have? Do you continue in a state of ingratitude toward God in your soul? You will continue in a lost state until you are finally in hell for all eternity. Today, would you see the truth? Would you acknowledge the truth? Would you be honest with yourself about your ingratitude? In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, we see a list here, a laundry list of all sorts of sinful things. Watch what he says in the midst of this list. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. He's going to describe how wicked the earth is going to be in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Oh, yeah. Hence the popularity of the selfie. Lovers of money. Greedy, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Watch the next one. Ungrateful. Ungrateful. In a laundry list of all of the personalities of the end time, the lost people, he puts ungrateful right there in the middle. Ungrateful between disobedient to their parents and proud and boastful, lovers of money, lovers of, of themselves. He puts ungrateful there, in between unholy, without love, forgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. He said, mark the ungrateful. They're godless. They're unbelievers. I don't let them think that they are anything but that. So isn't that harsh? Well, I think it's true. Because the believer knows this, we have much to be thankful for. The believer will be moved to a bended knee to say, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done that I don't deserve. The unbeliever, until Christ intervenes in his life, he will never find himself or herself in that position. The believer will always be grateful to God. In fact, John MacArthur said this, he said, a thankful heart is one of the primary identifying characteristics of a believer. Not that they go to church, though that's important. 
Not that they attend Bible study, though that's important. Not that they read their Bible, that's important. Not that they pray, that's all important. He says a thankful heart is one of the primary identifying characteristics of a believer. Thankful in their heart. He goes on to say it stands in stark contrast to pride, selfishness, and worry. And it helps fortify the believer's trust in the Lord and reliance of his provision, even in the toughest times. No matter how choppy the seas become, a believer's heart is buoyed by constant praise and gratefulness to the Lord. That's the difference between the believer and the unbeliever. The unbeliever has no gratitude in their heart for God. The believer has gratitude in their heart in every single situation. They are buoyed by that gratitude. They stand firm in their thanksgiving toward God. Ingratitude toward God could indicate one's unredeemed state. Number two, ingratitude toward God could indicate one's willful ignorance. Look at verse 18, the second part. He says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Perhaps this morning your ungrateful attitude to God is because you refuse to acknowledge the truth. The ungrateful unbeliever will be marked by their willful ignorance to the truth. And that's why they are still in a state of unbelief. Did you know this? Everyone who is here this morning who is born again, who is a true believer in Christ, everyone who's here, at some point in time, you had to acknowledge the fact that you are a sinner. And you are in need of a Savior. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you claim to know Christ here today, you claim to be saved, and you've not yet acknowledged the truth of, of the fact that you are a sinner, but you continue to suppress that truth in your wickedness, you're not truly saved. Stop deceiving yourself. He's letting us know that these unbelievers in Romans chapter 1 are willfully ignorant. They are ignoring obvious truth. The ungrateful unbeliever will be marked by an ignoring of obvious truth. He makes that plain and simple. He says it's been made known. It's been made plain to them. But they, as he said in the second part of 18, suppress the truth by their wickedness. It's not that they don't see the truth. They see the truth, but they suppress the truth because if we suppress the truth, we don't have to accept the truth. John speaks of this in his gospel, John chapter 3, verse 18. He says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Verse 19, light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. 
Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what has, he has done has been done through God. The unbeliever does not want to give glory to God, does not want to give thanks to God, does not want to acknowledge their own sin. And so what they do is they suppress the truth. And that comes out in their life in the form of ingratitude. Not thanking God where God deserves to be thanked. They do this by ignoring obvious truths. They suppress them. The Greek word there where we have our English word suppress means to restrain or to hinder or to withhold. Isn't that the very nature of the wicked, the unsaved man, to suppress the truth of God's word, to try to debunk it, to try to argue it? To try to disprove it over and over and over again. The lost man has tried to do this, but the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Yet isn't that the attempt of the wicked? Because they know this. If the word of God is true, they must turn and bow and give thanks to God for all that he has done. They would rather have their sin. When presented with the truth, the unbeliever's wickedness suppresses the obvious things that he sees. And he does this in an attempt to justify his sinfulness. If I acknowledge God, I can't have my sin. Because if I acknowledge God, I must acknowledge God as defined by Scripture, and He is holy, and there is no room for my sin any longer. So what the unbeliever does, is he says in his heart that there is no God he suppresses the obvious truth. There is no God. There is no sin. There is no one who will hold him accountable. But dear friend, let me tell you this. The unbeliever is not waiting for the wrath of God. Romans 1.18 said the wrath of God is already being revealed against that unbeliever. But they're ignoring the obvious truth. Ignoring it. Disregarding it. They're like the psalmist wrote in Psalm 36, 1 through 4, an oracle is within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. The words of his mouth are wicked and deceitful. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. Even on his bed, he plots evil. He commits himself to a sinful course and does not reject what is wrong. He commits himself to a sinful course and does not reject what is wrong. Oh, he sees the truth. But he says, I would rather have my sin. He sees how thankful he ought to be. But I would rather hold on to my ingratitude and not acknowledge God. Ignoring obvious truth. Ingratitude toward God could indicate one's willful ignorance. Ignoring that obvious truth, but also an inexcusable denial of God. We see that here in verses 19 through 20. This inexcusable denial of God that happens in the life of the unbeliever. 19 tells us that God has revealed himself so plainly so that all the excuses that lost man makes will be taken away. No one will stand in judgment before God with a list of excuses and God say, okay, that was a good one. I'll let you slide. Unredeemed, unbelieving man is without excuse. 
verse 19 and 20 makes this very clear. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what, he, what has been made, so that men are without excuse. These unbelievers who are ungrateful in their heart are walking in an inexcusable denial of God. Why? God's removed their excuses. How has He done this? God's creation removes their excuses, number one. His holy beauty and glory through His creation reveals to the unbeliever that there is a Creator. There is a God. You can walk into Walmart today, and you may not, not ever meet the contractor who built the Walmart that you were in, but you will know this. There is a builder of that Walmart. Oh, basic creation reveals to us that there is a Creator. And to deny the Creator after seeing the glory of His creation is totally inexcusable. Or the lost man who sits out and sees the sunrise and the sunset over the mountain. He sees the beauty of God's creation in the outdoors. Or the lost man who goes into that labor room with his wife. And he sees his newborn baby being held by that new mother. He looks into the eyes of that young child, and he sees a literal miracle before him. He must acknowledge God in creation, the things that he has allowed us to see, being all of those things, yet the unbeliever tries to disprove it. Right, that beautiful little miracle that just came from within your wife's womb is the result of two cells somewhere meeting up in some strange scientific sort of way. It's a miracle from the Creator, who is the Creator and the sustainer of life. He cannot be denied. You are without excuse. Give Him thanks, yet the unbeliever does not. God's creation removes all of your excuses. Not only does God's creation remove the unbeliever's excuses, God's common grace removes their excuses as well. What do I mean by that? I mean this, that all of mankind, whether believer or unbeliever, all of mankind right now, everyone here under the sound of my voice and the whole earth included, is living under the common grace of God. His benevolent love and His common goodness and grace to mankind. We don't deserve that. Uh, that's before we even get to the, to, to the amazing sovereign grace that He saves us with, the salvation that He gives us before we ever get there. We must acknowledge that He's been good to all of us. Even the lost man, the serial killer on death row, this morning he breathed and oxygen filled his lungs. That is because of the benevolence of God. This is common grace. Yet he does not stop and say, thank you, God, for that breath. Because he is godless and he is wicked. He has a heart of ingratitude toward his creator. Unbelieving man willfully decides not to acknowledge this common grace. You see it every day. But yet you neglect to give God thanks for it. 
reminds me of the lepers that we see in Luke chapter 17. There were 10 Jesus healed. Out of the 10, one came back to give thanks. Nine out of 10 of them did not come back to give thanks. There was but one believer in that whole group that Jesus healed, one who came back. Jesus told him, your faith has made you well. He was already healed of leprosy. What was he talking about? Your faith has made you spiritually whole. Because you came back to thank me, it proves that you trust me, that you believe in me. The unbeliever just takes from God, never acknowledges God, and just goes on his merry way. You see what Paul is saying to the unbelievers here. You're without excuse. God's creation removes your excuse. God's common grace removes your excuse. And thirdly, he covers another, another category. God's character and his qualities remove your excuse. Look at the characters and the qualities and the attributes of God that we see in creation. He's placed his mark on all of creation. Think about when we look at mankind, how he has created us with a mind that reasons, a skeleton that is structurally sound, and organs that work in unison as a symphony would. Yet the unbelieving man, he does not acknowledge that. That he was created... Magio Dei, in the image of God. He doesn't see that. He's blinded by his sin and the darkness of his wickedness. God has revealed himself in his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. He's saying that to the unbeliever. I have revealed to you my attributes, my characteristics, yet you remain unthankful yet you remain unsurrendered. Yet you do not acknowledge me. You are without excuse. Unbelieving man would rather ignore the glory of God from a state of ingratitude and sin than to humbly acknowledge the glory of God that has been so clearly revealed. Oh, I love that Paul says it has been made plain. God's not hiding his glory. Look around you. Husband, look at your wife. Wife, look at your husband. Families, look at your children. Look at the food that you have on your table. The clothes that you have on your body. The lost man doesn't even acknowledge this. He says this, I earned this all by the sweat of my brow, doing my thing, working hard. Now you know what we do in the South? We work hard to make a living, provide for our family. It's all about us and what we do. Can I just tickle your brain for a moment? Maybe try to get you to think about something. By whom do you think it is that you are provided health, wellness, and strength to work so that you can do those things? Yet you go on about your business and you take the glory for it. I have what I have because I've worked hard. You have what you have because of the providence of God and His grace to the sinner. That is it. The unbeliever doesn't get that. He continues to not thank God in his unbelief. I say this to you today. If you are ungrateful to God, your ingratitude toward him, could be evidence that you are willfully ignoring the obvious, natural revelation and truth 
that God has made clear to all of us. You need to repent. You need to turn to Christ today. You need to be saved because you are among the unbelievers if you are in that condition. Number three, ingratitude toward God could indicate this third and final thing according to the verses that we are looking at today. One's continuation in rebellion. Look at verse 21. And be warned. For although they knew God, he's not talking about intimate saving knowledge, he's talking about basic head knowledge. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. He's talking about a progression into a deeper darkness. I want you to pay attention to this. That is why we are looking at this message today, the dangerous sin of ingratitude. Because if you're in that condition, it could be that you are traveling down that road of utter darkness, reprobation. That's who Paul is addressing here in Romans chapter 1. Those who travel down that road and never come back, God gives them over. Continue in their rebellion. Perhaps your ingratitude is revealing that to you today. Your ingratitude is revealing the fact that you are in a state of rebellion toward God. He says this about those who continue in rebellion. He says they, their thinking became futile. Well, what does that mean, futile? It's a Greek word and it means this. In the original language, empty, vain, or foolish. He's saying they progress beyond just being godless, wicked, unthankful, refusing to give God glory, and now they progress into empty, vain, and foolish. All in their thinking, their unregenerate mind. These people are unregenerate in Mind, futile in their thinking. Uh, these are those who have a mind that is still hostile to God. Did you know Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says this? The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. The unthankful unbeliever. Was hostile in his mind to God. Oh, you, you said, I didn't know that ingratitude was that big a deal. What do you think now? He says that the ungrateful will soon be hostile to God, futile in their thinking. We have a mind that escalates far beyond just basic depravity. In fact, Romans chapter 1, verse 30 goes on to say this, down further on the page, about these people. He says they will be slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. Watch this. They invent ways of doing evil. As if basic sin was not enough. They're so depraved that they start thinking of new ways to sin. Oh, do we see that in our culture? The entitlement culture where no one is thankful for anything. No one appreciates the other, and no one surely appreciates God. A mind that is corrupt and futile, as Paul says. Ephesians chapter 4, 
He says this in verse 17, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And how do the Gentiles do? How do they live? He says in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Oh, you think the ingratitude in our culture is just trivial? Or is it a mark of true unbelief and rejection of God? They're unregenerate. They're unbelieving. They're unredeemed. Unrepentant and unbelieving in their heart. He goes on and he says this, their foolish hearts were darkened. The ungrateful who continue in their, their rebellion and in their state of sin, they have no choice. They will descend further and further into darkness, led astray by the depravity of their sinful minds. Their hearts have refused to acknowledge God. Psalm 14, verse 1 says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Apart from Jesus Christ intervening into this person's life, just as he has in my wicked life, apart from Christ intervening into their life, they have no hope. Just as the ungrateful, the unbeliever in this room has no hope other than Christ. You must repent. You must, by faith, trust in the provision that God has made through the sacrifice of His only begotten Son. You have no hope. They're unrepentant, they're unbelieving in their heart, refusing to acknowledge God. A heart full of unbelief and distrust in the truth of Christ. They have no faith. The author of Hebrews says this, Hebrews eleven sixteen, 16, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. These unbelievers, ungrateful in their attitude, will never please God. Habakkuk 2, 4, Romans 1, 17, virtually say the same thing. Paul, quoting Habakkuk in Romans 1, says the righteous will live by faith. Righteous will trust in the things of God. Give thanks where thanks is due. The unrighteous will trust in themselves all the way to hell and judgment. So I would encourage you today, examine your life in light of what we've seen. Perhaps... Your ingratitude toward God is exactly what I've said that it is today, an indicator. You say, well, how do I know if I have an attitude of ungratefulness to God? Do you live, do you live, live your life to please Him? Or do you live your life to please yourself? Oh, the true believer is done with living a life to please themselves. Do you live a life of obedience according to the Word of God out of appreciation for what God has done for you? Do you acknowledge that every single thing that you have is a blessing from Him? 
Are you still an unbeliever? And your ingratitude is just revealing to you the fact that that is what you are. You are still in your original, rebellious, sinful state with no change, no new creation, nothing ever happening, a transaction at all between you and God in regard to forgiveness and eternal life. Perhaps your ingratitude reveals today that you are not a believer. I would encourage you, sir, ma'am, today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. I would encourage you today, as the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to the truth of your need for a Savior because you are detestable to a holy God, that you would cry out to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and trust in Him to cleanse you of all of your sin. And I can guarantee you this, you will have much to be thankful for at that point. You will spend your whole life pouring it out as a thank offering to the God who saved you when you didn't deserve it. So we've seen the dangers of ingratitude this morning. The dangerous sin that it is. Are you grateful? Are you grateful as a believer? Do you know that? One who owes God everything? Are you still an unbeliever who thinks you owe no one anything, including God? Spurgeon said this, and I'll wrap it up. The Christian life should be one of thankfulness to God. That should be our Christian life. Thankfulness to God. That should be the visible mark distinguishing us from the unbeliever. Distinguishing our lives from the lives of the unregenerate. Do you live a life of gratitude to the Savior? Do you? The Savior who owed you nothing but wrath and judgment because that's what He owed you. But instead gave you mercy and grace and forgiveness through the sacrifice that He made on the cross. So we have much to be thankful for, don't we? Oh, even if you have a, just an elementary understanding of the gospel, it'll bring you to your knees in thanksgiving. Oh, if you have an elementary grasp on that, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And Christ died for me when I didn't deserve it. A wretch, a pauper. And he died to make me a son. What ought to bring you to your knees? But why do we as Christians stay on our feet? In our arrogance and in our pride. We sit on our face in humility and thanksgiving before a holy God who has done so much for us. Are you grateful? Is your life defined by that? If not, Perhaps this very day, you should examine your life. You should examine your life not in light of what I said, but in light of what the Scriptures have said. Perhaps God wanted you to hear this today, to reveal to you. You're on that path of darkness. You've not stopped to recognize your Creator for who He is, to recognize His Son for who He is, to bow a knee to His Lordship, to surrender to Him in salvation, 
and to be thankful for all that God has done for you. Perhaps today is that day where He saves your wretched soul by His grace and His mercy, bringing you to a place of true appreciation and repentance and faith for Jesus Christ and what He has done for us through His substitutionary sacrifice on the cross. Would you trust in Christ today? Would you be saved? Would you be forever grateful for the salvation that He has allowed you to have? If you're a believer here today, I encourage you to spend the rest of your life not complaining, not griping, not fretting. Spend the rest of your life as an example of what a true believer is. One who is grateful to God in all circumstances, in all conditions. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge that we have received this morning. Lord, I pray for the one who's here right now. They've spent their whole life in opposition to you. with no gratitude in their heart at all. Lord, I ask today that you would open their eyes to see the truth. You would save them, wash them and cleanse them of all of their sin. That you would reveal to them their sinful condition and also reveal to them the Savior who died to save them. God, I pray that they would surrender to you and you alone today, Lord Jesus, as Lord and Savior, and that they would be forever saved, live a life of utter appreciation for the grace of God as revealed through Jesus Christ, their Lord and their Savior. Break our hearts now. Humble us. Cause us to be thankful for all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Key Life Fellowship Pulpit Ministry Podcast. If you would like to talk with one of our pastors, please email us at info at or call us at 281-689-1604. You can also visit our website at www.keylifefellowship.com. We hope and pray you have a blessed week, and remember, you are light in the darkness. Thank you.